0: This episode is dedicated to Brianna Jai, a 16-year-old transgender girl who was killed in Warrington last week. This episode was recorded before news of her death broke. Rest in pride, Brianna.
1: Rights human rights! Trans rights human rights! Trans rights human rights!
2: Bridges. Hey, happy new year. Yeah. Happy new-ish new year. We're pretty late to the party on that, but we... We're sorry about that. Yeah, it just took us a... <laughs> just... We had an accident. We didn't mean to take a long break. We didn't need to take that long. We just needed a little while to get started. Yeah. And January was mental. It was so long. January, we're, we're shells of people. It is so long. Reporting in... to you as a husk. <laughs> so busy. <laughs> reporting as a husk.
0: Um, so what we've decided is we're going to do kind of like seasons in a way. (laughs) I feel like
2: we're constantly updating on how we're going to approach this process. (laughs) And we Um, try something for a bit and then we're like, that just didn't work. We're going to try something else. But yes, we've got a new approach, guys. I honestly don't think anyone else cares. No, but I just, I like, you know me, I like to be
0: organised. So we should, we'll let you know. So that, they can put it in their Google account. Yeah, put it in your Google account. We're doing, this is season three. Welcome. <laughs> we didn't tell you that season two had ended. Um, <laughs> we didn't but, know that season two was season two when we were doing season Yeah, two. we just think it might be more manageable. Yeah. Um, to do it kind of seasonally. So it
2: means that EPS might be a little more ad hoc. No, I think we're saying, yeah, we're really committed to getting them out once a month. Whether or not that is on exactly exactly a month after the previous one. Yes, exactly. Is a bit, they'll, we need a bit of some days allowance. It might not be on a Monday. We're juggling a lot of balls right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the point is, we want the episodes when we do release them to be good, you know, so we're not going to rush... To like release something on a Monday, if it needs
2: <laughs> if it needs a bit more time, yeah, is what it's we're like yeah, you know, it's like the uh, philosophy of shitting. Okay, and <laughs> <laughs> you've got to let it come in
0: its own time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to a rush. We're not going to constipate. <laughs> um. So, th- we just need to tell you right now that at the end of season three at the end of this little season, we're going to try to answer as many listener questions as we can. Now so that
2: relies yeah.
0: on you asking us questions. Yeah. Otherwise we won't have an
2: episode. Yeah, So we're giving you a heads up right now so you can start thinking about them. We're not quite sure where the end of the season is going to be. <laughs> like We haven't decided yet how long it's going to be because yeah. we're, there are a few things in the future that we need to work out. <laughs> but I'm going to say like six to eight, maybe to ten seeing how we're feeling yeah and then we'll probably round it off but we'll give you more of a heads up closer to the time but basically if you ever have a thought we also used to say that you have to be to support us on patreon obviously that would be ideal because you're because you like us (laughs) but um that's we're gonna remove that like barrier to contact because honestly it's just so nice to hear from you Mm,
0: yeah Um, so you can instagram us or you can contact us via our website. Listen, guys. <laughs> little confession. We didn't realise or we forgot that <laughs> we forgot. the website comes with, with a an email form. address. <laughs> That's a contact it's form. It's a contact us form. And we didn't know how to how to access We did know how. But we forgot. <laughs> To access the inbox connected to the website. And so we got the shock of our lives on like Wednesday or whatever, when we logged into this inbox for the first time and were met by so many messages from people, really nice ones, like, and, and suggestions. And we were like, wow, people are actually talking to us. And?
2: But there was one email. There was one email. Oh my God. Wow. Who wants to take the lead on this? Okay. Um, it was this guy had gotten in touch with us and when i the second i opened it you know when the tone of something is like telling you off yeah, finger wagging and i was like oh man we've like fucked up in some episode or like we've made someone feel excluded that's such a shame yeah and i was prepared to like you know eat a bit of shit and and process yeah our mistake and then it turned out that this dude had read the opening description the copy. Of our podcast the copy yeah. yeah the literal copy in which we have a quote from somebody in se- season one that says um what's it say i else? still regretfully shag men sometimes dot 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 i guess that's by yes anon quoted by anon and this guy had written a four paragraph email <laughs> yeah, in which he informed us that as a bi man he was not going to listen to our podcast because he'd read that quote and he felt excluded by it and he wanted to educate us on why that is an inappropriate stance to take on bisexuality. (laughs) And we were like, oh, babe. We we (laughs) replied in response to his essay
0: with like four sentences, the first of which was, it's a real shame you didn't listen to (laughs) the podcast. It's such a shame. Because the whole thing is... Is dedicated to,
2: to debunking these sort of stereotypes. Oh man. I mean I don't know, like I guess, I guess that quote on its own doesn't give us show us in the best light, but it's not us. That's the other important thing, right? Yeah. And uh I don't know. I've extended some sympathy to him, or empathy rather. I don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> I've, extended, I've tried to extend empathy in the sense that, like, he felt really alienated by it and he just couldn't continue. which yeah, but I you guess should listen. I get. I but mean, if you before feel, feel that, I before mean, even you if. Write, oh. Before you write <laughs> <laughs> a such a long email, I mean, why take the time if you haven't listened? Oh, Jesus. It's not even like we had to listen to every single episode. All you would have had to done had to have done is scroll through the apps, and when he read the copy of the individual apps, he would have seen that we'd unpacked it i mean it was one of the most important things that we unpacked in series one like our own tendency towards man hating is like a (laughs) biphobic defense mechanism this is all to say thank you people who did get in touch oh my god thanks so much and
0: sorry it took us in some cases literally like nine months to, to reply to you.
2: But in the in the throes of busyness, and mm. often, obviously we feel, feel gu- like with anything, capitalism, we feel guilty for not being able to produce things on a regular basis. And mm. so sometimes I feel like, oh, we're really bad podcasters, you know. Oops. We're really, <laughs> really bad podcasters. Um, like other people do this so much better than us. Wow. And then to get messages from people yeah. just makes us feel really held. And yeah. like, you'll still be there, even if we're a bit unreliable. Yeah. We're always here.
0: We really really appreciate you. And we really care.
2: Um so now that
0: we've done time. that sort of admin intro, now we're going to introduce the actual
2: episode. So this season, as we call it, <laughs> we're going to be exploring queer experiences that we have never or could never know for ourselves. Yeah. That's because largely in the past, we've orbited around questions that we've got about... Our like own
0: identities. Our own struggles. Things we relate to. And
2: we wanted to just think a bit outside of ourselves mm. this season.
0: So you can expect like episodes on queer parenthood or asexuality or like talking to queer elders, um, people who came out later in life, um, and then hopefully
2: listener involvement. But, you know, we'll see. So a couple of weeks ago... Hmm. Um, me and Elle attended this trans rights march. We'll go into the specifics of it in a minute, but um, it was arranged last minute because of a bill being vetoed in Parliament, and all of our mates gathered outside 10 Downing Street in London on a Wednesday night. It was lush. Mm-hmm. It was lush to see your friends. It was great to be among queer people. I hadn't seen a lot of these people since the beginning of the year. It was a great feeling, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: it was great to just, like, show up and be there for the trans community.
2: It was also very frustrating because of what we were there to protest. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're when you're shouting trans lives matter, you're like, how is this? Up how for does debate. this need to be said? Yeah. Um, so it's a combo of anger and joy the best actually what queers are best (laughs) yeah anger and joy (laughs) but me and l realized yeah we didn't really know it's one of those things right you receive bits of information from the news from twitter or whatever and you form your opinion quite quickly because that is how Mm. Twitter works especially And it where feels very
0: simple receive
2: info With opinion mm. And as far as we're concerned Anything that like Threatens trans lives Or trans rights is Obviously we know The side we're on Yeah So we knew We were 100% sure We were on I the right I was definitely going to go And shout <laughs> Yeah yeah know. yeah I, There was no question about that But we were also just like A little bit vague On like the specific Ins and outs Of what we mm. were there To protest
0: And we thought we could Probably take a little bit More time To think about Like the specifics Of why we were there Why it was important To show up And also to give a voice, because we do have a voice and a Mm -hmm. platform here, can you believe it, (laughs) Um, to inform other people too. So we want to focus this episode on the legal and institutional barriers to gender transition and gender recognition in the UK. First off, we sort of need to address the elephant in the room, which is um, how do we identify A really big question at the moment. (laughs) We're both going for, I mean, we both identify as genderqueer. Yes, but we're not currently seeking to change like the gender on our birth certificates, for example, or on our passports. We're not thinking about medical transition. So I think it's fair to say, well, if I'm not speaking for you, I feel comfortable, at least for now, with how my gender is perceived by bureaucrats and like the government.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's not, it's not ideal. I think when I see, when you have to put in what your passports, obviously, if you know, like one of those forms online where it lets you pick your mm. your title or whatever, I don't ever pick Miss or Ms anymore. Do you go for Doctor or Earl? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Only if that's an option, but really
2: works more, more of the time if yeah. it's an option.
0: I think whenever I'm given the option, I say prefer not to say.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so I think it's like not ideal, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not on a quest to change it. Yeah. I know it's just that it's a bit weird putting it in, particularly Miss.
0: Yeah, that feels
2: very Miss strange. Miss Mary Higgins. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Miss <laughs> Mary Higgins I think you... has like a milk business in a village. <laughs> 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 like churns milk to make cheese. <laughs> like, um, Yeah. So the point is. The point is, right, the process of like transitioning for us is something like we're obviously hugely familiar with as a concept and have read loads about and talk to friends about mm. but we're not that familiar with the very specific legal medical except bureaucratic ins and outs that that yeah. entails yeah so that's what we're gonna
0: we're gonna bring you a news bulletin
1: L O B
0: on the 22nd of december 2022 The Scottish Government passed the Gender Recognition Reform Bill to improve the legal recognition system for trans people. The bill makes it easier to get a Gender Recognition Certificate, or GRC, by removing the need for a psychiatric diagnosis of gender dysphoria, reducing the time someone must have been permanently living in their gender before they can apply from two years to three months or six months for 16 and 17 year olds and changing the age which people can apply. So it's dropped from 18 to
3: 16 Um, I have to admit, though, uh, I often joke that the hardest thing about being trans uh, is the admin. (laughs) And and I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's been one of the the biggest barriers, one of the biggest hurdles uh, for me.
2: Here's Ellie Gomersall, President of the National Union of Students for Scotland, talking to Sky News.
3: Um, I've been able to update things like my passport, my driving license, uh, etc., cetera, to, to reflect my, my name uh, and my, my gender. And um, the one thing that I've not been able to do is update my birth certificate. Um, and that's because that requires one of these gender recognition certificates um, in order to do that. That's all a gender recognition certificate does uh, actually. It allows you to update your birth certificate. Uh, and that means that if you're getting married, um, um, you can make sure that the marriage is being recorded with you and your correct gender. It means also that if you pass away, um, that you can have dignity in death by ensuring that the death certificate is recorded correctly. Now, I've been not I've not been able to to get that certificate um, because I've been on the waiting list for the NHS gender identity clinics for that medical diagnosis uh, for for coming up for five years now. I've not had uh, an initial appointment yet. I'm still waiting. I don't know when that's going to be. Um, and so I was really, really excited and really happy that the, the, the bill uh, in Scotland that you know, we've been campaigning on for so, so long, uh, finally passed back in December to make that process just a little bit easier.
0: Three weeks ago, on the 16th of January 2023, Rishi Sunak's government vetoed the bill by invoking Section 35.
1: Mr Speaker, I have not taken this decision lightly. The government has looked closely at the potential impact of the bill and I've considered all relevant policy and operational implications together with the Minister for Women and Equalities. And it is our assessment that the bill would have a serious adverse impact, among other things, on the operation of the Equality Act 2010. (laughs) Those adverse effects... This
0: has, and I cannot stress this enough... Not ever happened before. The
2: government has never vetoed a bill passed by the Scottish government. Yeah,
0: so gender recognition is devolved in Scotland, which means that Scotland should have the power to legislate over it. And the Scottish government has been working on this bill for five years. Like they've been carrying out consultations with groups to get the legislation totally right Um, And you can actually go and look at all those consultations on the gov.scot website. It's like an incredibly considered,
2: scrutinized, like honed process. It's a perfectly good bill. Yeah. (laughs) So why why is the the British government using this veto for the first time? Why now?
4: Really, this is about uh, a manufactured culture war. By the UK government, and they want to keep that manufactured culture war a- alive.
2: That's Beth Douglas. She's a trans activist from Glasgow. The debate over trans rights in the UK has become so contentious that it is being used as a political tool, mm-hmm. as Beth says in an interview with the Daily Record.
4: If I'm saying to you, "Be angry at your trans neighbour and not and not the UK government," we can we can skip out what 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 people in power should be accountable for. Um, because we're constantly fighting with each other when the, the real enemy is, is this Tory government.
0: So the Tory government are using the polarised public opinion on trans people to secure voters, basically. Yeah,
2: it's just classic divide and conquer, divide yeah. and rule.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's similar to um, the... Uh, The narrative being fed to us, which is is still very prevalent, but was so strong when Nigel Farage was uh, campaigning with UKIP, which is that there's just uh, another body of people who are making your lives worse. And that's obviously completely untrue, but it's it's such an easy narrative to give people because it makes sense of their own lives. Yeah,
2: this marginalized, discriminated against group is actually a threat to you top of the rung mm. have the most privileges like they the rise of them they're going to rise and take away your some of the privileges you like enjoy currently
0: yeah and it's a clever tactic politically because it just obfuscates and clouds the truth of the situation which is that the government is fucking up
4: uh, it makes you feel scared it makes you feel afraid but I constantly have to remind myself is that they're doing this because they want to push people like us back into the closet. This is ultimately what their, their, their main goal is uh, for, for people who are against LGBT equality. So I need to constantly you know, r- remind myself of that. And these people are basically just trying to shame you into staying out of public life.
0: And you know what the dumbest part about all this is, is that the bill isn't even about gender transition. It's about a piece of paper.
4: When was the last time that you used a birth certificate to enter a, a single sex space? Whenever you ever used your, your birth certificate to go to a toilet, a restroom or a changing room um, or use a service.
2: So this bill isn't even that radical, right? It's the same legislation that's already in place in other countries like uh, in Europe, like Malta or Ireland or Iceland. Yeah, here's Ellie again.
3: Actually, I think that the, the bill doesn't go far enough, uh, and there does need to be provision in the future for, for younger people to be able to, with the support, you know, and the right guidance and advice, be able to update, uh, you know, their birth certificates to get that gender recognition certificate as well. I think when we're talking about 16, 17 year olds in particular, I mean, right now in Scotland, 16 year olds can vote uh, in Scottish elections, can get married, I and mean, you can have a child, you can join the army. I think, you know. Uh, a lot of those last couple of ones, you know, that that's a much bigger impact on your life uh, than you know updating the the gender that's marked on your birth certificate.
0: I think that is such a good point from Ellie, um, and Beth Douglas also makes the point.
4: This is an attack on devolution and it risks democracy in in the British Union itself.
0: This isn't just an issue for trans people. And speaking as a half Scottish genderqueer person. Me too. It would make my life if trans people were the people who finally broke up the UK.
2: I know. It's so... It, it's frustrating on so many levels. The fact that like, Britain thinks it can hold back another country from really necessary and honestly quite late progression... Mm. in this is is just insane mm. like we're fully aware that some of our listeners here will be like all on like on top of this mm. this did happen three weeks ago it's not exactly breaking news but we did want to unpack it a bit because when new stories come out like this because of the hysteria around trans people in the UK it is immediately exactly what Beth Douglas says like it is just distracted mm. it becomes about it becomes about fucking women's bathrooms rather than what the bill is actually around yeah and so when you talk to people that don't know as much when I've when I've brought up this bill to people in older generations or whatever who aren't in tune with this news they have receiving they think that it's something more like like a gender transition thing or that it's going to grant trans people rights into certain spaces
0: yeah but then
2: which they obviously should have the yeah, right to be in but i just the- it's, it, it's a jk rolling like it is related to the jk rolling hysteria yeah totally and that hysteria is is just like circulating around this idea that like women's rights and trans rights are incompatible yeah which is patent. which is fucking nonsense I mean, when I saw that the Scottish
0: bill had passed in Scottish Parliament, it filled me with so much hope because I thought, wow, this is one of the only times that I can remember seeing a political party and like a governmental system speaking so explicitly on the side of trans rights. Yeah. Um, And it's hard not to feel disheartened when this isn't even that big a step. And it's already being blocked. And you know what happens when we talk about other things that aren't just a piece of paper.
2: Do you know what also made me furious is that this happened literally like days after the um, the New Year's Eve fireworks, mm. during which there was this whole segment on London Pride. I watched the whole thing. I was on mushrooms, and for some reason, feeling really cynical, which I think is an uncommon. <laughs> I was feeling I was feeling pretty good and then we started watching the fireworks and I was like I hate this I hate that Mm. so much money has been spent on this I hate that we're like glorifying ourselves and it got to the pride bit and I could have like Mm. vomited on the screen (laughs) I was like you we do on what basis can we celebrate this there's so much that we're not doing for trans people it is outrageous that you can like show to the world that like this is like London pride 50th year Mm. like fuck off yeah like literally days later you're like blocking trans rights yeah how dare you literally how dare you spend the money and time our money may i add (laughs) on your fucking lying lights
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey listener are you enjoying life of buy are you maybe learning some stuff that you didn't know before do you uh, generally like our vibe and think you'd like to buy us a pint if you
2: met us irl well this podcast is supported by patreon it's a lovely equalizing system which means that people who can afford to support artists fund podcasts like these so that people with less money can listen for free so if
0: you value the work we make and you want us to continue, please support us with a monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash lifeofbye. Thank
2: you. We love you. you. To state the blindingly obvious... Gender recognition isn't the only institutional barrier to trans people in the UK, not by a long shot.
0: Yeah. Another huge hurdle for trans people looking to be accepted and just perceived as they are is the NHS.
2: Abigail Thorne is a trans activist and producer of Philosophy Tube. I'm a fan. I love her. <laughs> I'm a massive fan. You should definitely go and watch her Go videos. and watch her YouTube video. Not right now because you're listening to us, but oh, after yeah. this, her latest video is called I emailed my doctor 133 times, the crisis in the British healthcare system. And basically all the information we're about to tell you now is the product of Abigail's research. So just wanted to um, let you guys know that and also
0: to encourage you to go and check out her YouTube channel and her Patreon.
2: You might be wondering why are Ella Mary recycling the content of trans activists rather than like interviewing someone and the fact is the answer, the truth is twofold one is that we haven't had enough time to find someone who is happy to talk to us and the other one is the people that we did find who had available to talk to us actually can't talk about this right now mm-hmm. because it is so emotionally taxing and to be honest a lot of the a lot of the problem with this this moment is that trans people are asked to do all of the work mm. first standing up for their own rights, and that is exhausting mm. and I think Miel wanted to um, do some of that anyway and so it is strange to tell to sort of reiterate mm. the the work of abigail and in, in another episode. We would normally have we'd be able to throw in our own perspective but the point of this is that we're talking about something that we don't have experience of and so we wanted to share the voices of trans people that are experiencing these things but it shouldn't yeah it shouldn't just
0: be down to trans people to do all this explaining and emotional heavy lifting as like someone who doesn't identify as trans doing the research for this i have felt so angry and sad And I'm not even a trans person. Um, So I can't even begin to understand how it must feel to fight for your identity every day. Like, I'm not surprised that um, some of the people we tried to contact aren't checking their DMs because, like, they probably don't want to look at the state of their DMs right now. And I actually spent quite a lot of time while we were researching for this um, looking at YouTube videos Um, where trans people are being interviewed. And I probably spent 90 minutes reporting comments underneath YouTube videos. And so, like, if you're a cis person listening, doing stuff like that, reporting tweets or, like, comments and stuff, um, it can feel like a really small act. But, like, we need to make um, a bubble of protection around trans people
2: because it's really tough out there at the moment that's a hashtag sorry not sorry for how we've chosen to put this episode together please enjoy and continue (laughs) Um, as a philosophy tuber um, Abigail approaches all of her videos with a sort of philosophical angle and this one is actually on examining the philosophy of an institution but for her case study she takes the NHS for which um, she's been like trying to get a gender transition through several years
1: ago i went to my gp told her i'm trans and asked to be referred to a gender identity
2: clinic the first thing she did was refuse this is how it's supposed to go in the uk the nhs means that everyone has the right to begin medical treatment 18 weeks after referral and that right includes
0: free medical transition for transgender people of all ages Your process should begin within 18 weeks. And it would look a bit
2: like this. You would go to your GP. You ask to be referred to a gender clinic. You're referred to a gender clinic. Then you have to meet two psychiatrists who would have to diagnose you with dysphoria. And then your GP would prescribe hormones. That's the process. That's how it should go.
0: And even within that system, there are some issues. For example, having to be diagnosed by a psychiatrist in order to receive gender-affirming treatment feels very archaic. But that's how it's supposed to work. What it's actually like is a bit like this.
1: 14% of trans respondents said that their GPs, like mine, simply refused to help them. That's more than one in
2: ten. So why does it not work how it should? The, G- the NHS may have their, what, they're supposed to, what is supposed to happen, mm. but if your staff isn't properly trained in mm-hmm. how to communicate, deal with, like treat trans patients, yeah. then, then you can't profess to have that system because it just doesn't work. Because if you meet prejudice at the first go, how are you meant to pursue beyond it? So the first issue is with
0: the training of personnel and their understanding of trans people. Several NHS reports over the last decade have reported that the NHS is actually unfit to deal with transgender patients, as some of the staff, not all, can be ignorant or even prejudiced on the topic.
2: The second issue is that you have to be referred to a gender clinic, and there are only seven gender clinics for adults operating in England and none of them are currently seeing patients within the required 18-week limit because the waiting lists are extremely long. Mm -hmm. How long? Well, uh, brace yourself, because this figure
0: is kind of unfathomable. London's largest clinic has 11,407 people on its waiting list at the time of recording. They recently saw the first 50 so that works out to a 19 year wait
2: i'm getting really angry recording this now a 19 year long waiting time for obvious reasons might affect your mental health if you can't have the hormones you need to change the body in the way that you need to reflect the gender that you are Uh uh-huh that would make you feel anything from depressed, anxious, frustrated to suicidal. Some people, many trans people, die on the waiting lists. And every year at Trans Pride, which Abigail Thorne actually often talks at, mm. someone stands up on that plinth in Soho Square and recites the names of the people that year that died on the waiting list.
0: Yeah, Um, So it's an unworkable situation and it's especially shit for trans kids who are sometimes working to a hormone deadline so um, they can get testosterone or estrogen uh, before they
2: hit puberty. So, for example, if you were um, a trans kid who was assigned female at birth, who identifies as a man, you don't want Mm. to hit puberty... When your body starts to change, get you boobs and make yeah. your assigned gender more visible to other people,
0: yeah
2: you're at a, if you if you know as a trans kid what you want to be, who you are, then you're actually you're at a very rare position mm. where you could change it now before any changes even happen yeah and so that's why the 19 year weight in that case is so gutting, yeah, because actually it would be so easy. To prevent that puberty from ever yeah. happening.
0: This means that often trans people have to either seek private healthcare
2: or self-medicate, uh, sometimes illegally. Because of um, uh, like hormones to manage the symptoms of the menopause, um, it's easier for trans women to get their hands on the hormones that they need, like estrogen, because... That you can they're available to sell in the uk however for trans men or trans mass non-binary people you um who want test testosterone that's hard because that is illegal to sell or share in the uk so you have to buy a hormone online which is obviously a risky way to get a med- to, to receive medication so it's important to say at this point that the NHS is in crisis and there are waiting lists for every kind of medication Mm -hmm. no matter what you're pursuing at the moment yeah it is the situation is dire for everyone right now um for i mean a host of reasons the pandemic obviously because frontline workers are burnt out and had to be Mm retasked or died and then there's brexit which caused um staff shortages and then there's the fact that loads of NHS staff were from the eu so why would you why would you come to england when you've got to like yeah sort out files and pay weird fees if you could just work in Europe yeah I certainly wouldn't be here if I didn't have to
1: <laughs> um so it's not an issue specific to trans people isn't it understandable that things are bad for trans patients I mean, wouldn't it be unfair to criticize the NHS even ungrateful wouldn't it play right into the hands of the people who want to privatize it That's definitely an argument that some people make, and I'm being calm and rational and impartial, so I'm not gonna say no, but I am very strongly going to say yes and. Let's say for the sake of argument that you are a transgender woman and you want to get an orchidectomy. That's an operation to remove your testicles. In the USA they say orchiectomy, but here we say orchidectomy, because the whole point is that you keep the D. A trans woman in England who wants that operation has to first get an appointment at the gender clinic, then be diagnosed with gender dysphoria, then be on hormone replacement therapy for a certain amount of time, and then she needs two separate psychiatric assessments. In contrast, a cisgender man, that is a man who is not transgender, who has chronic scrotal pain and wants the same operation can be sent straight to a surgeon from his GP. And the same is true across the board. A cisgender woman with chronic uterine bleeding who wants a hysterectomy, that's a removal of the womb, can be referred to a surgeon from her GP. A transgender man who wants the same operation from the same surgeon has to go through all those
2: extra steps. Now, obviously, it's unusual to basically quote an entire YouTube video on your own podcast, but we just felt that the um, the stuff that Abigail was saying was so important that we wanted to make sure our listeners had heard it. So apologies to anyone who has already watched that video. But we just wanted to give a truncated version for our listeners because the original video, which I do, like, I, you should definitely go and watch it after this, is an hour and a half. So although we might be summarising bits now, we're not even, we're not going anywhere near as deep as Abigail and it's completely, it's definitely worth going onto her YouTube and watching it there. So faced with all these obstacles and injustices, the story of Abigail's video is that she tries to assert her rights and make a change by reporting and complaining And as she goes on this journey, she is met with a bureaucratic maze referred higher and higher up the chain of command with no one willing to take responsibility for the way she's been failed by the system. And even when she reaches all the way to the top of the rung, at this point, I must add, these people aren't even doctors, they're Mm. administrators. Mm. When she reaches to the top of the rung to the head of NHS England specialised commissioning, she is told that the problem lies with, wait for it, GPs. Bringing us right back to the hurdle she encountered at the beginning in a full circle of Kafka hell with the special, special NHS England specialized commissioning head of whatever blaming the bottom of the ladder. Ugh. The GP that she first met who didn't refer her. Apparently, it's her problem. So it's, it's an individual problem. Yeah.
0: So it's like. Um, Everyone knows that the system is not fit. Everyone knows that the system needs to change, but no one can be bothered to be the person to change
2: it. So Abigail cites Sarah Ahmed, whose book Complaint highlights the ways that institutions disempower people by making it so impossible to complain.
0: Making a complaint teaches us about power. Power works by making it hard to challenge how power works. Escalation of force is not only a consequence of complaint, but a method for stopping a complaint. Escalation is the increase in the amount of force being applied to try to stop the complaint. Institutional harassment can also be used to describe this process. The longer a person persists with a complaint the more actors tend to participate in exerting the pressure
2: not to complain. So Sarah Ahmed itemises the techniques that institutions use to slow down the process of complaining. Uh-huh. Number one is this strategic inefficiency. Mm. So it takes fucking ages for them to get back to you. They have to refer to you. They don't send the letter. That mm. That is not an accident that that is on purpose that is to slow complainants down and make it harder to complain and because it's so difficult and because you have to work out who to complain to because that path that abigail takes to the top is obscured so why abigail had to find out for herself it becomes basically like an unpaid job like so much Abigail put so much work into this Mm. you can't do it easily you have to work out how to complain before you can complain yeah and then that means that
0: exhaustion is actually a management technique by the people creating these systems
2: they want to tire you out the final one um, that Abigail talks about Of Sarah Ahmed's things is non-performative speech. So you say that you're doing something, but you're not actually making taking any action. Mm. And another facet of this is that institutions like the NHS use documents to prove that they are they've done something. A document just says that you will or want to. A doc is not a document is not an act. Mm. So she would all the way through the video, she's like showing that there have been all these studies. Like the NHS might produce a study saying that it's diverse or that it, on diversity and conclude that the system is diverse or that they are mm. that they have diversity as a priority or treat, treating trans people as a priority and the changes you need to make. You can't just say something in a document; you have to do it. Mm. So, if complaining is so fucking hard uh-huh. and the system is so difficult to change, is there any hope?
1: I guess if somebody really wanted to, they could put together a kind of collective complaint. Like, they could get together with some friends and go down to NHS England's offices, maybe with some signs and placards and a microphone. So I did.
0: The day after news of the Section 35 veto broke, London Trans Plus Pride organised an
2: emergency protest outside of Downing Street. Protests are the solution to how hard it is to complain, because on your own, that's a thankless task. And all the frustration and anger and despair just falls on one person, on their own, looking at their email inbox. So, this is us... Making a formal plea to
0: all cis trans allies listening to this podcast to vote with your feet and get out on the streets in defense of trans lives. are actually, protests are really
2: lovely places to be. Yeah.
0: You like dress up warm, you'll like use a permanent marker to draw capital letters on a piece of cardboard, and then you just go outside and shout. And <laughs> it's it, like pro- describing protests <laughs> to an alien. <laughs> if you've never seen one before. But it feels really good to
2: shout. Yeah. Elle's <laughs> an excellent shouter. They've got really <laughs> large lung capacity. I was like shouting behind some people. And they'd turn around. And we're like, oh my God. <laughs> and I think it's because it also is just like your football your football goon comes out of you it's
0: my two opposing personalities my football hooligan is showing
2: up for trans rights (laughs) um
0: (laughs) and I'm I'm combining those
2: energies (laughs) I also think it was amazing that um on this as you were shouting as a hooligan um Elle was wearing their uh, floor length snakeskin okay. coat and the combination of like I just think no one walking down the street would expect that voice to come out of that person <laughs> when I, I didn't tell you this but when I left the protest
0: I turned around and this person who I'd never seen before in my life um just said goodbye and I said goodbye I don't think we've met and they said we haven't it was really nice to meet you. <laughs> just, and then I just walked off. It was wonderful. And that's what you get from a protest. Solidarity from people you don't know. Because what you're there for matters. And it matters to everyone.
2: Exactly. Because transness doesn't just expose flaws in the UK's legal and healthcare systems. Transness exposes flaws everywhere. Mm-hmm. In our schools, workplaces, housing, the Olympics, even the union between England and Scotland.
0: Yeah. The prefix trans, as in transnation, transregional, transgender, it means extending across or through. And at its best, a trans movement will work on behalf of everyone because it extends across groups of people pushing through change in systems that are failing every single one of us. Fighting for trans rights is the fight for all human rights.
2: There is no way for trans people to legally sidestep any of the obstacles we've talked about in this episode. You can't work around a system that is built to oppress you. You have to go through it. It's a bit like that kid's book by Michael Rosen. We're going on a bear hunt. Did you read that when you were Uh, a kid? Yeah, I did. It's the the one where these kids go on a bear hunt, obviously, (sighs) and encounter several obstacles along the way.
4: We're going on a
1: bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh Uh-oh. A forest. A big, dark forest. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We got to go through it. Stumble. Trip. Stumble. Trip. Stumble. Trip.
2: Life of Bye was written, edited and hosted by us, Elle Potter and Mary Higgins. Sound design and production by Tom Foskett-Barnes. With thanks to Abigail Thorne, Beth Douglas and Ellie Gomersall. Links to their socials and websites are in the episode copy. Please support them in any way you can. Thanks to our newest Patreons, you're all amazing,
0: Camilla, Sophie, Isabel, Kate, another Kate, (laughs) Steve, Michael, Lucy, Vila, JD and Christine, Montserrat and
1: Andrea. I just want to say... It ain't over till the bisexual speech.